he's never seen me fight live. He, he his news in school on uh, Monday is going to be. I flew to Boston and watched my dad fight in the UFC. Are you going to split your bonus with him if you get it? No, definitely. But he says he's going to split. Um, he's signed up, isn't it? He's already. Yeah, Paul's really nice like that. You know, he doesn't need the money. In fair, he just jacked up him walking on. The chap's loud. dream is to be world champion, world lightweight champion in the UFC, have more money than I know what to do with, and have a great life for my, my kids, my grandkids, everyone in my, in my family, everyone that's, that's come up with me. That's my dream. Episode 20 of the Severe MMA podcast is finally here. What, an his, what a historic number. Is it an historic or a historic? I, always, uh, it's, I, I think always... it is a historic because you use an before a vowel, don't you? Yeah, or, but not historic. In other words, like an honor. Don't you? It's, oh. it's not an honor. An honor when it's like a silent age. The writer yeah. is coming out in Sean Sheehan. <laughs> yeah, I like. I've improved my grammar so much since I've been writing. It re- like if you go back and read any of my early articles, uh, they were just fucking terrible. My grammar was. I tell oh. you what, there is only one real way that we can solve something like this, aside from Google. Um, yeah. Is there any other examples you can think of, though? Is it just an honor? Like an hour as well. An hour. An hour. Yeah. One second. We have Peter Carroll on the line. Pizzi. Hello. Uh, you're on the podcast here. We have a grammar question for you. Oh, here. I'm the worst person to ask about this stuff. Like, you know, I can't even spell it really. My mind writes all these <laughs> Anyway, um, do you know the way it's an before a vowel? Yeah. But... It's an hour or an honor. Yeah, yeah, I know, yeah. What, it, what, was, the, what was the one we were looking for, Sean? Not actually, the one we were looking for is wrong. Alright. Uh, what was it? Uh, you were saying it's uh, oh, a historic. I know you can't hear Sean, Pizzi, it's alright. It's an historic. A historic. Historic yeah. is the word we're looking for. So is it a historic or an historic? Um, I don't know, now you got me thinking, I don't really. I think it is like a yeah, historic so historic pronounced the H. It's just after that. Um, I'll tell you that. Thank you very much. It's, 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 you would, if, the, if the H is silent, so we are a historic moment. A historic moment. Yeah. So yeah. this is a historic episode because we've got 20 of them. This is not historic like I mean by Oxford Dictionary standards, but <laughs> I'm, saying, I'm going for a historic instead of an historic. Thank you very much, Peter. You're a great man. Thank you very much. See you soon. Well, there we go, Sean. That's the question answered. And do you know what? I actually got a phone call off Graham last night. He was like, maybe you shouldn't really talk about Snapchat and stuff at the start of the podcast. And I said, Graham, just because you're not on Snapchat, I think this is the perfect way to get the, the juices flowing of the podcast. What a better way than to hear from Severe MMA's best looking man from living in Blanchardstown, Peter Carroll. Definitely. Fucking verified in Twitter now as well. Taking it away. What a bastard. <laughs> oh, God. If you're I listening like... to this, abuse at Pizzi Carroll on Twitter because yeah. he got the blue tick during Fuck. the week. Ours go. has to be in the post. It has to be, like. Come on. The face and the voice of Irish MMA I here. Have like. more followers than Pizzi. So do you. And so do I. I got Pizzi most of his followers, for God's sake, by spreading the gospel of Carroll. My God. And this is how he treats us. Exactly. What a bastard. Bastard. Never liked him. Speaking okay. of injustices. <clears throat> yeah. Ken Velasquez. What happened to him? Sean called it. Sean said Sean it. Sean said it. Sean said it. Sean did say it. 
Carl Pendred right. appeared to be the only man with any sort of foresight last weekend, moving out there so far before his camp. That's true. And More he actually on that like, later on. Yeah, he looked one of the best ones there. But um, last week I said it that everything. I was just hate the way you started that sentence. Yeah. <laughs> last week I said it. I do this every week, and I just ignore the fight to get wrong. Then, but um, yeah, like everything was against Velasquez going into this fight. Twenty months out of the cage. At altitude, against Verdum, who has improved so much, like it's amazing how much MMA changes in two years. Like this is still pretty new sport. It's only twenty years old. That's ten percent of the whole lifetime of the sport. Okay, ten percent. That's wrong now. Yeah. That's a fucking maths degree. Yeah, that's totally wrong. Well, what is it? Two out of percentage. Five five percent is it? Give or take, maybe, yeah. No, it's 10%. I was right. Why did I question myself? I was right the first time. 10%. Okay. Velasquez. This was a tough match. And all those factors in play. Um, time out of the cage. He didn't fight as well as he probably could. High altitude. All great. And you know why he lost? Because Fabricio Verdun was a terrible matchup for him. With all the other things as well added in. Um, we spoke about it last week the first thing I said when I was making my argument for Verdum is and you agreed with me that Velasquez's attacks are always he puts pressure on he puts you against the fence he'll use dirty box and he'll stick your head in against uh, your face and he'll take you down and he'll hold you down and we like that. that's what he does right what Verdum did by being an absolute assassin of a BJJ player was take away his takedowns and that was the very first thing he did right Kane didn't want to take him down and when he did get him down he wouldn't go in and he wouldn't uh, step into his guard or use any ground about so Kane Velasquez took away a huge facet of his game by not wanting to get into the into the ground with Verdun I think uh, he kind of knew that he had to he would have to at one point yeah, but well, I thought he maybe in his head he was going to be up a couple of rounds and Verdun yeah. was going to be tired when that happened yeah that, that's that's probably what he was hoping as well but why he couldn't do that was he couldn't get the control against the cage either because Verdun every time Velasquez had him against the cage with his head stuck in him like I watched the Junior Dos Santos fight the night before it so like it really brought home how different it was um, Verdun got the overhook and he turned away from the cage every time Every whole time, Kane didn't get 30 seconds of pressure against him at any one stage. Every time he, he got away. And when he did, he pushed Kane out. And he's like, he, Verdum didn't mind staying with his back against the cage. But he attacked with his jab. He attacked with his straight shots. He attacked with his kicks with his back against the cage. And it was like, it was just a, an unbelievable display. By the time it came to the third round... Velasquez was so hurt and he was so tired that he had to go for the takedown. And we all know what happened then. Verdum caught him. I, like, I thought it would be earlier because I thought Velasquez would go for the takedowns. I thought, like, it's such a big part of his game. I didn't think he'd take that part away himself, but he did, obviously. Um, so Verdum, once Velasquez went for the takedowns, it was, it was always going to be, uh, like, it was, he was always going to finish it, Verdum. He's just too good off his back. He too good on the ground. I have to say, when it hit the ground, I almost thought Velasquez was getting out of it. There was one second, I don't know why, what, the way that the camera angle was, 
that maybe his right arm was deep enough and then you saw his facial expression and Verdum kind of just know that it was on and his hands, his biceps kind of tighten up as he was going to do it and like you see that happen at the amateur levels in Ireland and whether it's the age old thing that at least in jiu-jitsu anyway that basics win the fight like Hodger Gracie one of the most dominant jiu-jitsu competitors ever just all with basics Crone Gracie refused to use any sort of modern guards like De La Hiva or X-Guard and he's still considered one of the best grapplers in the world today then you have someone like Ken Velasquez scariest man on the planet up until Sunday, uh, Sunday morning or Saturday depending on where you are and then he goes and gets submitted by one of the pretty much the basic guillotine that every beginner will get caught in when they're going for a takedown how does that make sense? It, it's because Fabrizio Verdum is so good exactly good at the basics the basics <coughs> work and I think it's a lesson maybe fair enough he didn't Ken a couple of technical oversights in terms of only getting out there 10 days beforehand um, maybe underestimating how good Verdum was going to be in there to be honest one of the main reasons that I thought Ken was going to win and how the 20 months wasn't going to be an issue was look what Dominic Cruz did when he came back you have to admit though there is always an element fair enough of ring rust but there's also an element of bona fide legitimate champions best fighters in their divisions coming back after regardless of a period of time and being absolutely brilliant that can happen as well if you had to say if you had to pick up anyone coming back Cain Velasquez would have been the last person in my opinion that would have come back and looked as bad as he did now if this fight happens again at sea level let's get this discussion going does Cain Velasquez absolutely maul him uh, I wouldn't go that far but uh, just just to get to your, to answer your point there about Cain coming back and not looking as good as he did as I said there, there in the garden, also, as I said that before I, I had this written down and I did see it uh, brought up on Twitter Loads of people, like people, were far too quick to say that um, Velasquez gassed, and that seemed to be the key talking point. Altitude, Velasquez gassing, Verdum catching a submission on the way down. They forgot that Velasquez blocked most of Verdum's strikes with his head in the first round. Yeah, he did. He had a lot in front of him, and that definitely contributed towards it. It isn't just that they were fighting at a higher altitude and that he gassed. The fact that he took quite a bit of damage in the first round has to play an important factor. Uh, it does. It does. Because maybe um, a fully conscious Kane wouldn't have shot in so badly for a takedown and got guillotined. Yeah. I think the difference between, say, Kane coming back off a long time on Dominic Cruz was for he's fighting for Mauricio Verdum. And people tend to not believe in the changes that Verdum has made. They're real changes. Verdum is a fucking very good striker now. Yeah. He's, <laughs> we know what he's, his grappling is like. He will, as I said last week, he will get hit and go down and entice you to come into his guard. He did it in this fight, in the ver like at the very start, within 30 seconds he did it. Verdum is very, very good and this was a terrible matchup for Cain Velasquez coming back. But with that said, He's now back. And if he can stay injury-free, and if he can get an actual good camp in, because there's a big point as well that, did he get as much training and as much cardio or whatever in 
for this camp? Was he trying to stay fit? Was he holding back? He won't hold back now. He's nothing to lose. He needs to come back stronger than ever. If this fight took place in Las Vegas or somewhere at sea level, I think it'd be a, I think it'd be a lot closer. Like somebody asked me after the fight if it happened again, who I think it'd win, and I think I think it'd be a lot closer. I think I'd probably pick Kane the second time because um, he'd be he'd be just back, and I think a fully fit Kane, not at altitude, would take Verdum down. I think, and I I say. He might pass his guard, I, like he'd be a lot more careful than he would in that fight. Uh, the, like, ring loss is a huge thing. And when you're 20 months out of the cage, like, that's fucking nearly two years out of the cage. I remember, do you remember that picture that came up of Velasquez there, literally about three, four months ago, where, like, he was totally out of shape. He was like, yeah. Like, he's only been training for a couple of months, like, uh, and, like, getting back into shape probably took up a, a few weeks of that as well. Um, like, he hasn't, he his preparations for this fight, even if he had, like, a full, brilliant preparation for this camp, it was still only, like, three months over the last two years. Where, and in that time, Verdum has become, like, a really, really good Mai Tai striker. His jiu-jitsu has improved, and, like, he's... His sneakiness of his jiu-jitsu is the is the best thing about it. He's just he's just so dangerous. Um, but if it happened again, I, I don't see it again. But I don't think it should happen immediately. It was too I don't much think it would be an immediate rematch. Yeah, I don't think. And that. I'd be disappointed. To be honest, my 2009 wet dream is calling, and Arlovsky versus Fabricio Verdum for the UFC heavyweight title in 2015 is now a realistic possibility. I don't think there's any other option to be honest. Steve How funny is that gonna be like? Yeah. I wish um JDS was fit now, but he's not back till November. They might be able to do that six months Anastar away. Anastar Overeem is one win off a title fight. Uh, yeah, they're one and one, aren't they? In two thousand and fifteen. Yeah. That's crazy. I think they're gonna get get Overeem a title shot if you win. Overeem and Steve Miocic are gonna fight. Oh yeah, that'd be a good fight actually. I'd like. I think that. that's going to be the number one contender fight. Here's a question for you now, though. We Go you spoke about it a lot last week. Who na name now your top three goats at heavyweight? Like, I don't want to just go and say Verdum now after this. Yeah, I don't. But think admittedly, I missed all of the. I like you don't when you're talking about a fight coming up. At least short-sightedly on my part. He has now submitted the holy trinity of heavyweights. Velasquez, Fedor, and Nogueira. Yeah. He's knocked out Krokop and someone else that, uh, like, that I'm going to... Mark Hunt. Hit my, yeah, Mark Hunt. He's knocked out the guys that aren't supposed to be knocked out. He submitted the guys that aren't supposed to be submitted. If Fabrizio Verdun... All while once competing in a rash guard, must have thought he was fighting women's pro MMA or something like that. <laughs> don't get grim, sir. Uh, don't. Yeah. Jesus Christ! Where in the unified rules does it say we can wear rash guards? Where can you wear a wedding dress? Well, how is she wearing a wedding dress? Why is she wearing a wedding dress? <laughs> anyway, um, and also the best thing about it was I'd say that ex-boyfriend feels like a dickhead now. Fabrizio Verdum, king of the world, will probably go on to defend that title two or three times, I think. Until a like, fully fit Cain Velasquez has got himself back in the title contention. And yeah. um, and overall a fairy tale story. If we want to talk about greatest of all time, I think the manner that Cain Velasquez destroyed some of his opponents, 
you have to appreciate. Whereas Verdum, at least with the Fedor and the, you could argue the Ken Velasquez one, as you said, how sneaky his submissions were. They weren't go out, impose your will, put them on their back, pass their guard, and key lock them from side control, like what Johnny Dargan did or what Carl um, Roach did a couple of weeks ago at Battlezone. It's not that sort of thing. It's a, I'm getting the shit kicked out of me. Oh, you're triangled. So you're saying Carl Roach is the greatest? Well, obviously, that's what I'm trying to get at in a roundabout way. But for me, for people to go out and say Verdum is one of the greatest heavyweights of all time, like let let him smash a few more people. Let him convincingly show his his grappling. Like maybe I'm just being silly about that, but I feel like he'd need to put an exclamation mark on it because the reason so many people said Anderson Silva was the best for so long was as opposed to George St Pierre, who both had ridiculously impressive streaks as champions, uh, dominated everyone they fought. It was that Anderson finished them. Now whether or not he was on alleged substances throughout his career, we only know that he was busted towards the end of his career. And that could take away from the impact of it. But I think that's why so many people like Conor McGregor. If you want to talk about it from that point of view, um, Conor has finished everybody. He's put them away convincingly, with the exception of Holloway. And that's why people like him so much, I think. Because he's a finisher. If you want to look in the contrary, Carl Pendred gets a lot of shit because he's 4 0 in the UFC with only one finish. Admittedly. Perdum is a finisher as well, though. I know he is, but if, if we want to look at it from the point of view that he, to be considered one of the greatest of all time, getting those sneaky submissions, in my opinion, won't get uh, I think it is, when he does so many of them, like, it's, yeah, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a coincidence anymore, like, he's, when you submit Velasquez and Fedor, you have to be, you yeah, have to be in the well, chat. Then again, I, I can't really say anything, because the main submission that I catch people with is by letting people pass my guard and then triangling them from yeah, the bottom. Just, there's nothing wrong with that, like. There's nothing wrong with that. I think, um, I think Fedor is still number one. I know Verdun beat Fedor, but, like, that was one win. Okay, you get over that. Fedor won, what was it, 20 fights in a row? Verdun has yet to do that, and he's yet to beat... Well, he's, he's beat unbelievable. I think he's number two. I think Verdun is number two after this. I think Velasquez is still in the picture. I think um, Nogueira is obviously still in the picture. I think JDS is there as well because he's only lost to Kane as far as I know. Bob Sapp. <laughs> Bob Sapp, yeah. Arlovsky. But, um, Tim Savia. <coughs> if Arlovsky was to win, he'd be up there as well if he was to, to, to win the title. Uh, but the, thing, the difference between Fedor and the rest of them is that Fedor stayed on defeated for so long at, at heavyweight like a notoriously hard division to stay uh, stay undefeated in Verdum is well he's won um, 9 of his last 10 fights which is unbelievable only lost to uh, Overeem and Strikeforce that butts good fight so like he's an unbelievable record as well I think Velasquez will be back people are writing him off very quickly if he can stay fit that's, this is the biggest time in his career now over the next 6 months or over next year, if he can stay fit, beat the shit out of someone like he did with um, Bigfoot Silva that time and get another title shot, it could be unbelievable. I feel sorry for the next guy he's going to fight. I think it'll be Travis Brown. It makes sense that it'll be Travis Brown next. I feel very sorry for he, Travis um, Brown. He should do what he did after the Fedor win and fuck off and just do sem- like cash in. I can remember Fabrizio Verdum doing endless seminars around the world, around Europe, Brazil, the Middle East, after he beat Fedor because he was the man that just submitted Fedor. 
and he made a mint. He was doing seminars every second week in a different country, and he just travelled the world for so long after that. Yeah, Verdun doesn't fight that often either. I think uh, he, he'll probably make the most of it now. But uh, yeah, getting on to the other fights in the card, I suppose we can talk a bit about Carl Pinder. Um You, I think you saw this fight kind of differently than I saw. I was going to say, can we not talk about how brilliant Eddie Alvarez is? Okay, go on, Tom. We'll do that. Uh, Very quickly. Did you really think it was brilliant? Yeah, like, uh, this is going to sound stupid as fuck, but that was one of the most enjoyable fights that I've seen in a long, long time. Did you just let out, like, a gasp? Yeah, I didn't enjoy it at all, to be honest. This is is why I like it. Go on. First of all, like, there was blood coming into it. The two of them wanted to fight each other. Gilbert Melendez absolutely cleaned him with that elbow. It was so, so nice. Alvarez's face, pretty much, half of his face was taken out of the fight in the first round. He adapted his game plan completely to win the second and third rounds. Not win the fight, but win the second and third rounds under the scoring system of mixed martial arts. So many different things about from keeping his left hand higher to shooting for takedowns on the other side so his bad side of his face was not pressing against his uh, against Melendez's body um, constantly moving when controlling up against the cage because Melendez was getting the slaps in that's pretty much the equivalent of uh, when you were playing Smackdown years ago and your your character's body was in the red and about to be finished at any single minute does that make do you know what I'm on about yeah I know Mortal Kombat Uh, yeah or Mortal Kombat you're about to be fatalityed uh, or attacking anything like that and he still won and he still controlled it and fair enough Melendez gassed completely that was the worst out of any fighter I saw gassing as badly as Melendez did and maybe Melendez threw himself to fight in that way in his preparation but all hail in my opinion that was such a good performance from Eddie Alvarez completely turning it round getting the shit kicked out of him in the first and then having to change everything completely thinking on his feet he wanted to quit Henry Hoof well that's another issue in itself he did say in his corner he wanted to quit and Henry Hoof kept him in the fight I'm sure he's pretty happy towards that now but it could have gone worse like if Melendez had really tuned him up in the second round we could be talking about something completely different here you've convinced me I have to say have I? That, that, have I won you? Like, good, you won me over. That was a good argument. Just I was watching that fight so happy at the weekend because, like Eddie Alvarez and Gilbert Melendez are two of my favorite one fifty fivers to have ever lived. Like I didn't want either of them to lose. And to be honest, I think you could argue that Gilbert Melendez isn't coming out of that fight in such a bad way, because you could argue the first round was a ten eight. Yeah. What I was disappointed with was. I was expecting like, like a Melinda Sanchez. I was expecting a draw, to be honest, on those cards. Yeah, I, I was expecting a Melinda Sanchez type of fight, but I think it was Gilbert's fault that that didn't happen. Well, not his fault, but it was the way he fought is why that didn't happen. I think he knew he was going to get tired, and he fought like a guy who was worried about the altitude. Um, I don't know. It was just a very underpowered performance by Gilbert Melendez. Like he's one and three now in the UFC. Uh, I really think he's well past his prime at this stage but Eddie Alvarez was a guy and we kind of spoke about it last week that whoever the winner of this fight was would kind of keep their place amongst the elite well um, Melinda is still amongst the elite but he's not going to be in the title picture anytime soon or anything but Alvarez could be if if he wins a few fights yeah I think it was a good performance um, he 
he showed great heart and he always shows that great heart and I think it's something we kind of we forget about or a lot of people might know because he was fighting in Bellator and stuff and obviously we wouldn't see that as much as we see UFC fights um, but like when he blew over his nose and, and his eye filled up so much so quickly uh, everyone thought the fight was over that was so yeah. funny how quickly that yeah. eye filled up it was unbelievable the fact like that I'm the UFC slowed it down as well and it still was like yeah. a second in slow motion I'm always talking about it it never really happens I think Joe Rogan was always talking about it as well but this is why this is kind of a cool example of it actually happening and all the talking about being bullshit and it kind of worked out well for Alvarez in the end anyway so did you see the Nate Diaz interview with Ariel afterwards yeah that's why, um, that's why uh, I touched on it at the start because you could argue Melendez won the fight Alvarez did enough under the 10 point scoring system to get yeah. a decision and I can see like the Diaz's and Melendez are just so frustrating in the fact that they easily adopt their styles to be yeah. able to win mixed martial arts fights but instead they want to go out and just fight yeah especially Nick Diaz he has a great style for winning fights because he's a high output fighter but he just stops doing the high output at some stages in just to like mean put up middle fingers and stuff yeah but um Eddie Alvarez Eddie. versus Nick Diaz next that'll be okay that oh, would be God. brilliant That's fuck you Eddie hard. fuck you Eddie yeah that's what okay. we're looking for. We, we'll get the... Or no, before we get the Pinder, a couple of the other fights. Yair Rodriguez and Charles Rosa fight. What a fight. Fight of the year? Well, going to be honest, I fell asleep, Janet. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. What's wrong with you? Did you knock left or something? No, but I, like, I'll admit. It was late. No. I, um, I have an awful habit of falling asleep during UFCs. Yeah. And waking up for the co-main and main event, and then not being able to get to sleep until eight o'clock in the morning. I wish I could do that. That'd be great. But yeah. I understand I you were. I had. Uh, I backed Charles Rose. I did my first MMA bet of the week of the year mm-hmm. at the weekend. And he lost. Pendred Rosa Velasquez by KO. But I also had a single on Cahill as well. So not all is lost. I believe you thought Charles Rosa won the fight. Uh, I did, I did, because in the 10 point most system, I thought Rosa did enough to win it. Um, I thought Rodriguez was the better fighter, even though, like I'm a huge Charles Rosa fan. I, I, he's one of my favorite fighters to watch. Well. I thought he's he was brilliant. brilliant in Boston. <coughs> Rodriguez is really good, though. Joe Rogan was um, comparing him with, he called him, I think it was a mix between Anderson Silva and Anthony Pettis, which is a bit insane. But he, like, he's a really exciting fighter as well. Um, I thought, yeah, it was a very close fight. I'm, I'm not complaining about Rodriguez winning it, but under the 10 point must system, I thought Rosa won the fight. But uh, that's neither here nor there. Anyway, I think uh, Rodriguez, like, I'd love to see him fight um, some of the top guys if he can get there. Olivier. Yeah. I, um, we actually have a question about Olivier's next fight next, so we'll answer that later on. But another thing in his card, just before we get to Pinterest, was Gastelum and Mark Hart. Um, Trevor Whitman, Mark Hart's coach stopped the fight after the second round after Mark Hart took an awful beating and like we just have to give daps to him for doing that that was Must like, you need to, yeah you need to protect your fighter and he was like I tweeted at the time that it had, this has to be stopped and I didn't think it was actually going to happen but fair play to him and he actually he tried to stop the fight during the round he tried to turn the towel but he was told to get down off the mat that you're blocking people's view as he was trying to save his fighter the, like the commissioner whoever it was which is fucking disgraceful Mexico. but um yeah it ended well so anyway. I know we talked about this a few weeks ago can you stop a fight by throwing a towel into the ring you can do, did you not do you not remember the, I sent you the tweet from John, Big John McCarthy oh yeah 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 
That's yeah. it. I knew I wasn't sure if you either had sent me something or we were discussing it on the podcast. It could have been both. Yeah. Okay. Pindred, what did you think? Tell us. Because we think differently on this, I think. We do think differently of it. Now, Cahill was fighting while I was still at work. Thankfully, for UFC Fight Pass being a thing, me not particularly caring about my employers and my employers being very bad, obviously, at what they do, they yep. didn't notice that I went missing for quite a while <laughs> to watch the fight on my phone. Uh, yeah. So, um... But I was having to come in and out of the cloakroom. So what I saw the first round, which is about three minutes of it, Cahill was... He lost that round. Fair enough? Ah, uh, jeez, I can't remember. First round, no, I thought Cahill he won got it. dropped. No, the second round he got dropped. Was it the second round he got dropped? Yeah, but he won the second round because uh, he took him down for four and a half minutes. Oh, and yeah, wait, no. Sorry. End of the first round is Cahill Pendred standing in the middle of the cage with his arms outreached, saying, yeah, what the that fuck was the is one. this shit? Throwing leg kicks. Which, you have to wonder, what was Dodger's game plan to derive completely from how he's fought in his last 15 fights to go out into this fight and then not do it at all? Which is a little bit strange. Aside from that, we spoke in the se- second round I have to watch it back before I can completely say and praise how brilliant it was. But I'm pretty sure Cahill Pendred almost submitted Dodger Montero twice in that second round. Japanese necktie, anyway. Yeah, one was, and I couldn't, unfortunately. What a, what a shame. I couldn't listen to Joe Rogan's expert analysis. He didn't um, even call it. While it hit the ground. But there was a, at a time when Cahill was unloading, I think it was from side control, Dodger scrambled, Cahill slid a right underhook. Um, in as if he was going for a dart or some sort of necktie and then Dodger scrambled straight away just before the hands could clasp then he went for it again but while he was like teasing a guillotine maybe with his left arm and hitting a lockdown on Dodger's right leg so his leg was fully extended and Cottle was crushing his body in as if there was some sort of a neck crank going to go on and you saw in Dodger's face that he was in pretty like a lot of pain so I thought that was two near submission attempts for Cottle and he controlled it on the ground and landed some good strikes. Third round, Cahill looked tired. Um, although I've se- I have to say, I've seen Cahill Pendred look tireder in fights at a I lower... I think he looked that bad. I, exactly. I've yeah. seen, like, for the, the Lorenz Larkin fight, or... No, it wasn't Lorenz Larkin. Uh, Spencer fight. Um, yeah. And the Umaratov fight. You could argue that he looked pretty tired in the third round. I think Cahill Pendred is going to take a massive leap forward from this. If you want to talk about, again, I, fair enough. Everybody in Ireland is fucking John Wayne Parr when it comes to discussing and dissecting <laughs> Cahill Pendred's striking ability. Um, I have heard from people in the past, it takes Cahill a couple of rounds in the gym to get warmed up on the pads. I think it was the Molnar uh, boxing coach uh, had said that about Cahill, that after five or six, seven rounds, Cahill is fucking great on the pads. Maybe it's something that he needs to be able to do to get that sharper and quicker in the fight. But please do not give me your striking clinics about how Pendred is shit and you have never done anything before in your life. It's one of the most... I hate that shit. It is, that? Jesus Christ, it is so fucking bad to listen to. Fair enough, his ballet moves in the second round. And I don't think anyone was doing that this time, to be honest. For what? I don't think anyone was doing that this time. No, I don't. I didn't see anyone like criticizing his striking. I, stuff well, that's what I was gonna say. If you go on to Reddit, which is uh, probably which one of the, the funniest uh, forums in the world, there was a thing about Cahill's bad <coughs> stance because when he went for the little spin thing, 
and the abuse that he was getting in that uh, in that thread was fucking ridiculous and a lot of it was based around the striking you said you didn't hear anything about it I got a fucking extensive text from someone who will remain anonymous um, his striking is so bad though he's always training with good coaches how is he not getting any better at it and I said maybe you should offer to take over the striking department of his trainer <laughs> and he said I'm not saying I know much about striking but what's going on he's, uh, he's just shit or something like that and I was okay. thinking like why are you talking like that? He's a fucking... Like, are we not... Like, what are you expecting? Carl Pendred, when has he ever, 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 ever showed a striking clinic before? And then when he gets to the UFC, he's on a run, going for 4-0, and suddenly Carl Pendred's not throwing beautifully lucid fucking punching combinations, finished off with a Carlos Condit head kick. Oh, whoa, Carl Pendred can't strike for shit. He's never been able to strike it the way that you want him to strike. So why are you getting annoyed about it now? Sorry. You rent over. You rent over. over. Like, stop shitting on Carl Pendred. He is the hard, like, in my opinion, hardest worker out of that gym. As we've said, improves on the job. Has beaten people he shouldn't be beaten at the time that he had beaten them. And he's still getting better. Like, there is something missing. Don't get me wrong. He's not immune to criticism. Like, I do think... If Cottle goes up against the top 15 people that he's looking for now, he may fall short. But at, at this stage, like I know John Cavanagh said maybe the winner of the Leon Edwards fight in Glasgow would be a nice uh, matchup for, for Cottle next. And I have to agree with him. I do think they should keep him down that end just for a little while. Then again, he is one left hook knockout victory away from getting the inaugural or the second ever Dan Hardy welterweight title shot. Four decisions and a finish. Oh, Look, no. here's, a, here's a problem with Confinger, right? Now you can go. Yeah. He's not fighting, in my opinion, in the way he should be fighting at the moment. And I think... like Kane Pendred. He said that after the fight. And it was, it was the best thing I've heard from him in a long time, that he says he thinks he should start fighting like Kane Velasquez. Which I 100% agree with. I couldn't, like, I couldn't agree more. He should start fighting that way. Because... Okay, Pindred, what he his physical attributes, right? He's a strong motherfucker. He has good cardio. I, people might say he doesn't have good cardio. He does. He's shown in the past. He's gone five rounds before. He was the the best looking out of any of them in in Mexico at the weekend. Those are his attributes, right? He's not fast, and his his speed hasn't been proven. His striking has improved a lot, and. The bits that like that, it was just so bad at the weekend. The Dodger wouldn't go, come near him. You couldn't really see his striking, but his striking clearly looked better at the weekend. His defensive striking looked better. He only got caught with one shot in that whole fight. His his def- his uh his boxing defense looked very very good at the weekend. His his jab, which is something that I've been wanting for him to throw for a long time, it looked better than it's ever looked before. So there there are things that are improving, right? But I don't think he's like. Is he ever going to be a Conor McGregor type striker? Is he ever going to be a great striker like that? No, I don't think so. Let's be honest here. Like, I think his strength would be a Velasquez type. Push them against the fence. Make it ugly. Carl Pendred should like. It, okay, I'm I'm no coach or anything, but yeah, like if I saw someone like Carl Pendred, someone with his body type, with his attributes. 
I'd want them to embrace the heel inside the cage. I'm not talking about like John Jones or like uh, getting up an actor. I think. <laughs> in 12 I months' time, Paul <laughs> Pendleton, who listened to this podcast, <laughs> is pulled over on the M50 <laughs> for a bong and Johnny's in his car. <laughs> he took well, Sean Sheehan's advice and his life goes off the rails. What I think he should do is he should play up being, or not play up, but try to be the most fucking boring fighter in the in the whole UFC try to fucking take guys down go straight ahead take them down grind the shit out of them Ch- throwing capoeira kicks like you know why is he throwing capoeira kicks like why I, d- I don't understand what's that gonna do like striking from the outside especially against guys like Dodger who won't uh, who won't strike with him what's the point go straight forward try to take him down push them against the fence hold them against the fence for three minutes win the round keep doing that that that's the way forward for him uh, it might be pleasing and i know he wants to please the fans but i think he wants to please the fans too much and i think he should be trying to please himself trying to win fights and he does that but he does that because because i don't know he tries to fight the other way and it, it can't work for him because these guys don't want to the, the level he's fighting at the moment he's better than all of these guys let's be honest and they don't want to engage in him because he'd probably beat them in in that, those facets of fighting, he probably be like Dodgers. He's one of the worst fighters in the UFC. I'll be honest, he's not a not a good fighter at all. Um, I couldn't believe I said it last week, and I said it on the radio and to FM as well. I couldn't believe Carl Pinger was was an underdog for this fight. Dodgers, Ka-ching. awful, just awful. But um, five to four. I think Pinger could go a long way if he started fighting like Ken Velasquez. If he like if he push guys against the fence, yeah. dirty boxing, takedowns. I really think he can go a long way. Start, like, there's no need to fight in a in a manner which will please the fans in a good in a an exciting manner. No need. Like when you when that's not you, I don't think you need to do that. I like the way you just, you went about that there about how Cahill should just be like fuck all of you. I'm gonna yeah. be able to take you down, and unless you can stop it, I'm gonna get on top. GSP of you. did it. Yeah. GSP did it. A whole a whole uh, career and got everything out of it. I, Carl Pinter can do that. I think he can. Obviously, I don't think he's gonna. <laughs> he's not gonna be a GSP or anything like. But I think he, like he can get into GSP the top fifteen by doing this. As a teenager. Exactly, and Carl Pinter's wrestling is very good, and I think his clinch is very good as well. Like you could see it in that that second round. Yeah, he, he absolutely dominated. Him. Yeah, his submissions are good as well. Judo Every time he gets someone now, he looks like he's gonna submit him. Yeah. Norman Parks judo hips teaching Carl Pinter some judo trips. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Okay. Drop we have uh, we have a couple of questions about him later on, so we we get back to him again. So um, we can move on with a couple of more things. Bama coming to Ireland. Thoughts. Fanfare. Go on. What did you say? Did you say cough? Did you? Thoughts. I said. Oh, thoughts. Yeah. Um. Well, unfortunately for Bama, spoiler alert, there will be no more than. 500 people at your main event because you're going to get DJ Hayes versus Michael Enderman 2.0 in the 3 arena when you have no Irish fighter in your main event Chris Fieldson's co-main event I can live with that that's pretty cool I'll get behind that no problem but on the other the flip side of that is like after Chris Fields fights that arena is emptying am I too bad for saying that? I was talking to Graham there the other day. Do you know? And we, we were wondering this, so I'll ask you now. Do you know who Tom Duncan was? Yeah, the French boy that everyone loves. Yeah, 
But have you seen him fight himself? I've seen him fight once in his last fight. That's, see, that's the problem. That's the whole problem with this Bama card. You're someone who covers MMA like on this side of the world, European MMA. Well, and look, stuff. I'm a really bad you, example of like, yeah, but, what a person yeah. who, sh- who wants to cover this sport should be doing. Like, You see the abuse I get for not doing that's work, true. not doing anything on time. But, I don't watch any fights. I can't pronounce <laughs> fighters' names. Please. <laughs> Ask Harry Williams as he's seen him fucking fight before. I don't know. Or one of the other people that puts yeah. a lot of work in but don't achieve the sterling results that I achieve, Sean. Sterling results. If you haven't heard of him, really, or well, you've heard of him, but if you haven't watched him much, how the fuck is everyone else going to hear of him? I only heard of him because, like, I, I, I read, like, the guys Patrick Wyman and Zane Simon. Or, yeah, is that? Yeah. MMA Over in Bloody the person who actually who I knew about him from. Yeah. Because he was one of his prospects. But how, yeah, exactly. That's why he's like well. the prospect as well. But how many more people know of him other than that? Like, Dukunma is going to be a great fighter. I, I can see him being a UFC champion in the future, or getting close to it anyway. But people don't know who he is. How the fuck are they going to sell uh, 10,000? Or maybe even... Nine and a half. Top? Yeah, there's people talking about it. Um, Going down to a, a four... Between 4,000 and 6,000. How are they going to sell that many tickets? Like, I know... Like, we talk Brandon about... Brandon is obviously the answer. Like, I know you talk about an awful lot about guys selling tickets and the great ticket sellers up the north and guys in Dublin and guys in Cork that sell a lot of tickets. But how the fuck are they going to sell all these tickets? I remember the last Cage Warrior show. I I can still hear you. I remember the last Cage Warrior show where Joseph Duffy was fighting and we were there. And um, who was it that asked? I think it might have been you or it might have been, it might have been Steve, who's working for your man now, asked. How ticket sales are, and, he, and uh, Graham Boylan said at the time, "Oh, there were only uh, like thirty or forty tickets left on the door at the end of the night." Yeah, because the one thousand bur- tickets. Is that because sales. they burnt half of them or something like that? Oh, not in fairness, the place was fairly full in the Helix, like oh. in the Helix, a one thousand seater. How the fuck? And uh, with Joseph Duffy on top of the card, who a lot of people don't know because he beat Conor McGregor and stuff. How in the name of fuck are Bama gonna sell five thousand tickets? Well. Let's, let's 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 step back a bit. Let's break it down. I had a phone conversation with someone yesterday, and we both agreed Cage Warriors has never been full or has never had a bigger crowd since Cahill fought Belkaiden and Siri won the title. No matter what, people like maybe this is just us because where we always sat, like there was fuck all people downstairs. Do you know that sort of way you could see the seats? And you could see that the private upper seats to the left-hand side of the press box in the Helix were always empty as well. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like, I think Cage Warriors, let's not overstate it for a second. While it was the cornerstone of Irish MMA events for the, like for the year, a summer show and a New Year's Eve show, the biggest events in Ireland, they were not well attended. And I don't care what people... If there were a technical sellout, fair oh. enough. Graham Boylan must have bought 300 tickets himself. But... Uh. No, genuinely, the place always looked empty. To me, it looked like busy enough, but never atmospherically. This is huge. This like not when John Ferguson tried to scam people by selling standing Groupon tickets at a cage contender for ten euro, and then them finding out there was no seats for them when they got there. So there was just like <laughs> like hundreds of people standing at the National Basketball Arena one night. It's not like that. Cage wires were never about the ticket sales. And I think there's been so many hilarious concoctions of Irish MMA that there is the market for one person who can do everything well to come in and set up a show. 
Andy Ryan puts on the best matched amateur fights in the country. Cage Wires had the production and worldwide value. John Ferguson knew how to scam enough people to buy 3,000, 2,500 fucking tickets to a show yeah. in Belfast or the National Basketball Arena. Put all three of those things together and you've got the best promotion in Ireland. Unfortunately, no one has the complete package. From Bama's point of view though, they have the, they have the, uh, the benefit of it being in the three arena. Any event in the three arena gets massive exposure. Someone put up on my Facebook the other day, oh well on their Facebook, but I saw it while I was scrolling through. Uh, UFC coming back to the three arena, September 19th. <coughs> three just sent out a text by mistake offering pre-sale tickets. So Bammer, people will know that there's gonna be a fight on in the three arena. Now, whether the UFC timed a certain announcement on the 1st of July because they saw Bama may or may not be in an arena that they may or may not be interested in going to in October, that could blow the, the Bama just clean out of the water. But I agree with you. It's going to be a bad night unless they stack it and make it a carnival. Yeah. Who can they stack it with? Irish people. How many, like, have you, have you watched the Bama card before? Because yeah. I haven't from top to bottom. Can you tell me how many amateurs are generally on it? I have no idea. Yeah, well, hopefully there's a lot because they are going to need as many Irish fighters from different fucking corners of the country as possible. No matter what they say, they need someone like Damien Rooney. I'm not saying that because he's finding it hard to get fights and because I train with him regularly enough. He will sell... He's, he, the only reason cage contender Nuri happened was because Rooney sold something stupid like 400 tickets out of the 600 people that arrived at it. Absolutely ridiculous. You need people like that. Alan Philpott got his fight announced today. He's going to bring a busload. Connor Cook is going to bring a lot of people as well. And while we're talking about it, Connor Cook is a fantastic striker, in my opinion. Yeah. In terms of the size that he has at middleweight, he's one of the biggest in the country, without a doubt. And he's definitely got imposing power. Um, put up a thing on Facebook yesterday that the fight that he was offered got turned down by the other side. It was Chris Fields. We could argue... Said, uh, allegedly. Allegedly it was Chris he Fields. He said it was Chris Fields. And that Chris Fields or SBG turned it down. If we want to really get into it and really be that much of a prick about it, Connor Cook is 6-6. Six and six. Chris Fields is 10-6. and six, Or 11-5-1. and five and one, Or 10-5-1. and five and one. I'm not too sure. Chris Fields is a better record. Chris Fields is, in my opinion, two wins away from a UFC call, if not three. Connor Cook has lost all six of his fights by submission. And I'm not saying that in a fuck you to his coaches and stuff like that because I rolled with Rodney Moore last week and he is an absolute fucking monster. An absolute demon. We saw him go the rounds with Dean Lister in one of the fucking most exciting grappling amateur, like grappling fights happening within an MMA fight, in my opinion, in Ireland for a long, long time. Yeah. John Michael Shields submitted him. Henderson Faria submitted him. Diego Born Valencia, who was an amateur that took the fight on a couple of days' notice, submitted him. Conrad Ivanowski submitted him. Conor Cook yeah. has the shocking ability of being able to drop a fighter with a jab, and then his second follow-up punch is punching himself straight into a triangle. But even like even if you had that fight on the as even the main event or whatever, like Chris Fields, okay, he's a name guy, but I don't think Chris Fields is going to sell out an arena. Like, oh, I don't. Like I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm just saying this. Purely from the matchup point of view, yeah. that I don't think Connor Cook 
is at the level to be able to fight Chris Fields. And if yeah. I was, to be honest, and I just saying this from the outside looking in, I know Rodney Moore's gym is affiliated with uh, Gracie Barra in Belfast. If you want to look at a proper example of what I'm about to say, Connor Cook needs to forget about everything else. Fuck off to Gracie Barra for a year, six months a year, three nights a week, four nights a week, and get become a grappler. Ross McCarriston has done it, and now he's one of the best amateur bantamweights in the country, and his grappling is fucking beautiful. And it's all because he went away and extensively trained in Gracie Barra Belfast, yeah. as well as training with Rodney in Next Generation Northern Ireland. And fair enough, Connor Cook has personal situations with work and stuff like that, and a uh, young kid and stuff like that. But don't keep taking these pro fights and looking for bigger pro fights when you're not able to defend basic submissions in a cage. And I like that's fair enough, hard truth words or whatever. And I don't mean that because Connor Cook is one of the nicest guys you'll meet in Irish MMA. But and I do think he has great potential. Like from the Ross Point and victory all those years ago, it's fucking serious performance. But now is it's do or die time for him now like he can't go six and seven you know he needs to start yeah. putting the wins together who do you think could be the guy to save this is there anyone that can save this card i was trying to think last night who like who can bama put in this card that will make casual like fans like me like and 90 percent, 99 percent probably of mma fans in ireland who aren't affiliated to jim who's the guy that will bring those fans in um I don't think it is a guy. I don't think there is a name guy. I do think yeah. Bama will sell 4,000 tickets in that region. I do think mm -hmm. they're going to exceed expectations of the fact that, oh, there's a fight in the three arena. Are you coming? Do you know that sort of thing? Yeah. I think the northern crowd are going to bring a serious amount down. I think people from Dublin will go. Like Once it gets out there, Bama are going to put a lot of weight behind it. I do think there's going to be... It's not going to be... It's not going to be like, oh, Joseph Duffy's fighting in the Helix. We should go see Joseph, Joseph Duffy fight. It's just going to be, there's a fight on. And this is going to be the, the litmus test. Are people Conor McGregor fans or have we now got mixed martial arts fans? You could yeah. argue, sorry, that the UFC would have sold out the O2 again had Conor McGregor never been born. But the, the UFC's not Bama. I know the UFC's not Bama, but now we're at a stage with heightened social media exposure, general internet capabilities being a lot better than from 2009. More people are aware of the product. I do think Bama will do a good crowd, to be honest, at the Three Arena. It won't be... Oh, well, so do I, because it, it may bankrupt them otherwise. Yeah. Do you know what a fight I'd like to see on it, and I'm not sure if it can happen? Go. Paddy, Paddy Plim Pimler against Artem Labov. Oh. Give me that. That'd be great, wouldn't it? I'll take that, yeah, I'll take that. And even then, okay. what's the story with, like, Cage Warriors fighting? Yeah, I was thinking that. Will they be allowed fighting this? I don't know. Is Phil, was Phil Paul with Cage Warriors or did no, he, he sign with Bama altogether? He, he was with Bama. Yeah. yeah. But uh, there's a couple more guys, like John Redmond was with um, Cage Warriors. Chris Cage Warriors. Cage He's Warriors as well. But Cage Warriors signed for Bama. Or, um, Chris Field signed for Bama. Yeah. Outright. But like, the likes of Johnny Jiu Jitsu now, he's, with, he's still with Cage Warriors. Uh, Time will tell, Sean. Yeah, a lot more guys. Okay, I suppose we talk about that card a lot more when it comes around. Good chat. Um, now remember, don't be put off by the Skype number. I know it says fifty-eight minutes. Yeah, we're only we forty-eight. We've been for about ten minutes at the start. Yeah, check it out. Three more things before we get to the questions. Which Aldo's test? Let's do it. Is is this bullshit? Is he on the gimmick? Oh, what do you think? Sean, 
This podcast is going to be done. We're going to be sued. <laughs> We're going to be sued. I, I don't okay. want to ask you the question. First We're not saying you. Yeah. From what I know, Jose Aldo gave the sample willingly to the Nevada Athletic Commission yeah. guy. Yeah. Andre Pedineris then realized what he had just done and pretty much called the SWAT team into the gym. <laughs> the man was arrested for getting the, uh, or detained, for getting the sample without a valid visa, work permit. Why the fuck does Andres Pedineris care so much about that unless there was something to be hidden or something that they didn't want showing up? Also, the, this is now, correct me at any stage if I'm wrong because you're the bookworm, you're the man that has had to write about this. Is the doctor who was supposed to be taking the test for the CBMMA the same doctor that if you Google his name, you will see pictures of him with Vitor Belfort and Anderson Silva on Google Images being best friends? I believe he is. The and I believe he's, he's Bigfoot Silva's doctor. Oh, whoa. Doctor. This is all falling into place nicely. You mean three fighters that have been caught on steroids in the UFC, Sean? Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, look, what listen. a coincidence. So, look, <laughs> this fight's going to happen regardless. Yeah. It's good versus evil. Conor McGregor was random drug tested at UFC 188, literally taken aside and said, come on out the back here. Blood and urine. Aldo got an extra day's notice. Whether that was an extra day's notice to be able to buy a novelty penis in a Brazilian joke shop and fill it up with clean urine, that's, who knows? That's a, that's a joke, by the way. That is a joke. <laughs> Nobody t- that's complete piss day. You! Here's where I am with this, right? Bin Mosier from the Nevada State Athletic Commission, or their affiliate, came in to test uh, Josie Aldo, right? Fine. Jose Aldo gave him a urine test. Fine. And Andre Pretneras rang the CAB MMA to find out if this guy was legitimate. Fine. No problem. They showed up at the gym with the police. Okay, you're stretching it now a little bit. If they had showed up at the gym by themselves, even, that'd be that'd be fine, right? Okay. They showed up with the police. Grant. Why did they show up with the police? Why did Andre Pernaris ring him? He rang him to find out if this guy was who, who he, he, said he was, was. Said he, saying he was, right? They looked at his thing. They found out who he was. They found out he was from the Nevada State Athletic Commission. They found out, he, like, he wasn't just some random guy off the street who, who was looking to take uh, Jose Aldo's test and uh, put him into a test tube and make babies out of him or whatever. <laughs> this was a legitimate guy. Who, who had legitimate reasons to be there, okay. And we, once you find that out, they should have said, fine. Okay, you have his urine test, please go and test it. That's grand. Or take the urine test again because we want to see you taking it with the CAB MMA there. Fine, yeah. let him do because that. Because look at but it this no, way. Who's no, to say he's not a rogue didn't... man who yeah. took steroids and pissed in a cup himself? Yeah, exactly. But the thing about it is, it, like if that was any other fighter, fair enough, call him. Do that. I want to find out who he is. Let let him take the test. Let him have the test. Let him do the test on Aldo's urine. Once you know who he is, the CAB MMA should have been called to find out if this guy was legitimate. Instead, they were called and they brought the police with them, and they found that the guy didn't have the right uh, visa, so he couldn't work there. So they had to get a, get throw away the test. Why were the police even called? Why? They were just looking for, like, it looks like they were just looking for a reason so that the test, like, couldn't be, couldn't be done. 
if they were just looking to see if the guy was legitimate, they just would have brought the CAB MMA, they would have rang up Nevada, Nevada would have told me, yeah, this is the legitimate guy, and they would have gone, Grant, we'll watch you taking the test, you can take that test away and test it, and we'll know if Aldo's clean or not. But instead, they didn't do that. They called the police, they, fi they fined the guy for taking the test, and they, they found a visa, they found he, didn't, he had a business visa, not a working visa. Like, this is just, this is ludicrous, like, and I don't think there are enough people are stating it like that. It, it's absolutely ludicrous. Um, we don't know, like, we don't know if Jose Aldo's taken anything or not. Uh, that test hasn't come back yet. The sec obviously, they took a test the next day, uh, and we'll see the, we'll see if that comes back positive or negative, but it doesn't really matter now. There's things you can do and with 24 hours no <coughs> notice to get a, if if you had to get stuff out of your your system, I'm not saying Aldo did that, but it's possible. So it, it, that's the, the like John Kavanaugh put it up on on Twitter about random. That's the thing about random tests. You don't know that they're they're you don't know when they're going to, when they're going to happen. And this random test wasn't able to <clears throat> to take place. I think like if if the Nevada State Lead Commission has to tell the CAB MMA every time they're coming to Brazil to do a test. You may as well not bother coming to Brazil. Well, uh, if UFC honest. fighters who want to have an affair have to tell the drug testers that they're leaving <laughs> state, you know, maybe exactly. the Nevada State Athletic Commission shouldn't have to fucking let the CVMMA know that they're coming down. There's something very fucking fishy about this. Very fishy. The fight, regardless, speaking with someone on Saturday night, um, I was of the opinion that Aldo was going to be pulled from the fight and yeah. Frank Yedger was going to be put in. Mm-hmm. Something like that still could happen. Let's be honest, if Aldo fails a test, if this test comes back and he's failed it, the UFC yeah. are not taking Conor McGregor off that card. He's fine. He'll fight fucking Joseph Duffy if they have to. Aldo be stripped of the title if he failed the test. Sorry, we all go. He will be stripped. But yeah, if you fail a test, you'll be stripped of the title. Is that the new rules that are oh, coming in on the 1st of yeah. July? No, but it's always been the rule. Oh, okay. Josh Barnett did it so. Well then. So yeah. Conor McGregor will still be fighting for title regardless on July 11th. Yeah, exactly. Um, I suppose we'll talk more about that fight. We've two two weeks before the fight, uh, after next week. So we'll uh, we'll talk about it more then. Is there anything else you want to say on that? No, I'm all right with that. Let's get a quick, a little quick talk about Berlin this weekend. Joanna Champion. Okay, before we get to Joanna Champion, go for it. Is there anything you care about in the rest of this card? No. Me neither. Arnold Allen maybe. Sean, there's a reason that I'm currently in Dundalk instead of in Berlin at the moment. <laughs> exactly. This is. And I, go, and I mean that in the, just yeah. to, for completely transparent purposes of that comment. Uh, moving forward, it looks like Severe and May are going to be focusing on the coverage of Irish fighters. While I would like to be in Berlin, there's so many websites that are the same people at these European events that literally go there with a DSLR and a tripod and get in the way of scrums without asking any questions and just all record the same content. And if these people, the people that didn't ask questions, if they weren't allowed to interview the fighters, people like us, people like MMA Plus, um, Sandu and Abby, those guys would Niall be- McGrath. Niall McGrath. Um, fucking well formerly Steve in front of MMA but now severe MMA would be able to get sufficient time to do one on one interviews with these fighters where maybe we could get a little bit more out of them 
Yeah. For example, the best example I can give of that, me being able to interview Uriah Hall one-on-one in Boston, as opposed to me being able to interview Uriah Hall in a scrum. That sort of thing. You want to be able to get these guys one-on-one and talk to them. And unfortunately, because of how many media outlets apply, um, then they just, you know, it's, it's scrums all week long. Same website, same content, hard to get it out, expenses get over there. But once there's iron, like, I'm unfortunately, as, and as much as I hate to say it, I'm not able to go to San Diego now this summer because fucking Paul Redmond, Joseph Duffy, and Paddy Hulhan are all on the Glasgow card. I'm supposed to be in San Diego for the next two weeks after UFC Vegas, but I'm being brought home to get on a plane to go to fucking Scotland. And I say that in the nicest way possible. <laughs> I, I would just much rather be in San Diego. Right, you've got to Vegas. You'll be all right. You've but we get to Vegas. meet a lot of friends over there. Yeah. So. Uh, Sorry. I went on a rant about EMEA there. Yeah. But I liked it though. Um, the only one I... There's a couple of guys. In, oh, well, in, Arnold in Allen. Yeah. Arnold Allen is the one guy, yeah. But he's come five days notice against Alan Omer, who's a very good fighter, who beat Jim Ehlers in his last fight, I think. I might be going mad, but I think he did. I think Aaron Allen is a huge prospect. I think he's one of England's best prospects himself and Paddy Pimblett and a couple more guys. There was rumour um, that Pimblett was going to be on the uh, was yeah, gonna be on the card. He's fighting the FCC, I think, soon. Look at me and my UK MMA knowledge there you coming know out. Your shit. <laughs> I know not. I only signed up for the the um, the Brad Wharton uh, press releases. That's why I, I know I got an email to me, but um. Aaron Allen, yeah, I think he's a very good fighter. This is going to be a tough fight, but I think we can go a long way. Uh, Nicholas Bastrom's fighting. Mr. Finland, Amir, Mar- uh, Mac Amir Kani is fighting. Noad Lahat is fighting. Peter Hallman. Nick Hine. Dennis Seaver. Nick Hine is one of those guys. I see him so often, I can't remember him fighting at all. He's I one really of those. like Nick Hine. I can't remember him. The card is like. This is pretty Terrible. much the type of card you're gonna get at UFC Dublin, but we're gonna think it's we're gonna like it because there's more Irish fighters on it. I want to. I have, have. You wouldn't like this. I know that. Yeah. I like Peter Sabata, Nick Hine, uh, Joanna Champion. Fair enough. I'm okay with that. Macwan is gonna be a big star, no doubt about it. I wouldn't like gonna go through him again at the weekend. Marbek Tysimov is a guy that the UFC are really, really keen on as well. Yeah, he's a good fighter. And yeah. All of those guys that are coming out now out of uh, Tiger Mutai and more. He's from Chechnya, isn't it? Or uh, sure. it right? maybe, yeah, Chechnya. Chechnya. Yeah. Um, so I think this card actually has the potential to be very good to watch, exciting to watch with a lot of finishes, but. We'll see. I have to admit, though, I am disappointed that I won't be in Berlin because it's the fucking nicest city that I've ever been in. Yeah. One of. Do you give Jessica Pinna any chance of beating Joanna Njenjic? I didn't give Joanna Njenjic any chance of beating Carla Esparza, so I'm not going to count on that. But after watching what Joanna Champion did to a wrestler, I don't think Jessica Pinna has much of a chance. Yeah, I, I was watching I was writing my preview for this uh, yesterday or Monday, maybe, and I watched uh, a couple of Njenjic's fights first and fight pass. And then I went over to watching Jessica Pinhead's fights, and I was literally like putting it on. Oh no, the other way around. I watched Pinhead's fights first, and then Ian Jetrick. I was literally like putting the, you know, fast forward the difference between their strike, their levels of striking. Ian Jetrick is just so much faster. She she hits so much harder. It's unbelievable. Uh, Pinhead got beat by Carla Sparrows in the semi-finals. Are tough. And then could only win a split decision against Randa Marcus. Uh, but Randa Marcus is good in fairness. Um, 
Pineda's wrestling isn't strong enough to get Ginger Jacek down to to test her. Pineda, what Pineda's very good at, she's good at trips and she's good at passing the guard and submissions. Her submissions are very good. If she gets Ginger Jacek down, maybe gets her in um in a amount or gets her back or anything like that, I think she'll finish her. But I don't think she'll be able to get her there. Ginger Jacek's takedown defense is too good. Um, her transitions are very good when she gets, you know, that kind of Matt Mitrion, Ben Rothwell position where they were both on their knees, kind of, she's very good at getting out of that, we saw it against the Spars a lot, and I think in Jetrix, she's a winner more than anything else, she, she just wins exchanges, she fights like, she fights hard every second, and um, yeah, I don't think Pinay will be able to stand up for her, Pinay is a good technical striker, Go on, when, she's fight, when she's fighting anyone else apart from Ian Jacek, Ian Jacek is just so much better than her. It's, it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a mauling. I think she'll knock her out in the first three rounds. I, there's never been a fourth round. Here's a fact for you: there's never been a fourth round in women's UFC fights. Really? Ever? Yeah. And there I don't think go. there'll be one this weekend. Here's uh, for the listeners at home. Yeah. 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 What is it? What a lady. Looking forward to it nonetheless. Um, we'll be able to watch it extensively on Fight Pass, thankfully. Um, but apart from that, it looks like that's the way the European EMEA events are going to go. With the exception of maybe a massive Crow Park day down the line or Alexander Gustafsson versus John Jones. I don't think you're going to be seeing too many over-the-top European base cards from the UFC in the next couple of years. Definitely. Okay, we'll get on to the biggest fight of the weekend. <gasps> Kimbo Slice against Ken Shamrock. Unbelievable. Who's I win? hope you watched the Lions Den match between Ken Shamrock. I fucking did. If Ken <laughs> Shamrock gets the kendo stick, it's oh, over. Kimbo's Kimbo done. Kimbo has a hope. He doesn't have a hope. Cage matches. Ken Shamrock is... Kimbo might be the king of the, the street, king but the Ken street. Shamrock but Ken is the king of the cage. He was born in the cage, baby. He was, yeah. Born in the cage. The danger, most dangerous man alive. I'm actually going to take a picture later on with my Ken Shamrock wrestling figure. Um, from the, the, most, the most dangerous 51-year-old alive. That's probably true. Yeah, he's <laughs> in fairness, up there, yeah. He's definitely... Um, I couldn't tell you any other 51-year-olds that could kill you as quick as Ken Shamrock can. Is this fight going to get cancelled Friday night when someone slips in the shower? Yeah, probably. Do you think this fight happens? Uh, I, uh, yeah, yes. I'm, it's going to be maybe. brilliant. I was, <laughs> really, what day we know wins it? There's only two more days. Like, no one has pulled out yet. Uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be good. Call me stupid. I think it's going to be entertaining as fuck. It'll be fun. Like, it'll be f we, need, we need insane matchups like this. Like, Ken Shamrock, Kim Boss Light, they Friday? were never... Friday night, yeah. I, th oh, I think so. I think we should try release something yeah. on Friday. Because I'm off work. Maybe we should find out how to do Mixler and do live commentary. We could do that. We could. Or we could do it in Periscope. We could Periscope. Yeah. I'm going to have to download it. I'll probably be late. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see. We'll get back to that anyway. Um, Who do you think will win? I think Ken Shamrock. Do you? 51. Jeez. I think it's going to be hilarious. Now, more than likely, Ken Shamrock gets badly knocked unconscious. But. Yeah, more than likely. I'm hoping for a 
I don't know, Kurt Angle ankle lock esque finish from Ken Shamrock. <laughs> That's how he'll win if he doesn't. Uh, Kimbo's been training at ATT uh, for the last year, which I'm sure, like, I, I, I'm sure, like, he's, he's learned a bit of take down the fence in that time. Um, Six months sprawl training. Yeah, but he has been training in MMA in fairness before that as well. Like, Kimbo did take it seriously for a good while, and he's yeah. seemingly been taking it seriously for the last year as well. Uh, yeah, I think he can stop it, Ken Shamrock, 51 year old takedown. Looking uh, look, looking like he had a fucking uh, a house party in Thailand with Alistair Overeem. <laughs> Alistair Overeem, Bigfoot Silva, Vitor Belfort. Best example I've ever heard in my life. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> Ken is looking well. Let, let's just put it that way. Um, <laughs> this Look, this fight is a sham. We, we all know that. It's, it's a joke, like, but. We we need freak show matches. We need um that what's his name that big fucker seven foot fella the fair or be knocked out. Hong Man Choi. Hong Man Choi, yeah. We need more Hong Man Choi's in MMA, and he's actually making a comeback. I heard Hong Man Choi, yeah. I heard that a couple of weeks ago. Someone tweeted it, but uh, yeah, we need more of these kind of matchups, and especially when it gives the guys like Pitbull, Frere, um, uh, Bobby, La- well, not Bobby Lashley, so much, but Daniel Strauss, Mike Chandler, Caesar Gracie, purple belt. <laughs> the one shame about this is that Michael Venom Page isn't on the card. Like these old school fans would absolutely eat him up. He's fucking like he's brilliant. He's the type type of guy. Kim. Imagine Kimball Flies fans watching Michael Venom Page. Yeah, they fucking love him, and it's Imagine a shame Michael that he's not on the card. Imagine fans watching Kimbo Slice. Yeah, they probably love Actually, him too. No, they probably already know. Who nah, he is. yeah, they know who he is already. Yeah. So that's that. Question time. Let's get on to them. Let me open them up. Open them up. Jesus, I have 10 notifications here after asking the questions. Um, our good friend, Will Martin, friend of the podcast. Friend he had of a Sean hilarious Sheehan. Snapchat story last week calling people yeah. cunts Cricket wankers. <laughs> I saw that. That was fucking excellent. Um, what's next for Kyle uh, after a decent performance in Mexico? Maybe Colby Covington next in Dublin. I like that fight. I like it too. I do think Kyle will fight in Dublin regardless of whatever yeah. happens maybe even somewhere as high as the co-main event yeah I agree but I think it will be a European based I, the Leon Edwards fight is one that appeals to me like throwing it out there Tom Breeze is Tom Breeze a lightweight does he? Or is he did Breeze go down? I think he's a lightweight I could be wrong I could be wrong Sure anyway, dog will tell I look us Tom Breeze Only because Steve from Severe MMA Has been adamant for years Tom Breeze would beat Kyle Pendered if they fought Oh yeah That'd actually be good for you watch that um, Oh no you're right He's not welterweight My bad There we go That's my pick Showdown of the Severe MMA interviewers I, I was saying um, Fight through us I was saying he should fight Underboy if one of my losers maybe in a couple of weeks but I don't think Kyle has done enough to get a top 15 guy yet he wants one so he might get it and he's what's a 4-0 in the UFC so he might, he might get someone higher up but I don't know I don't think he's ready for it yet I don't think he's done enough uh, if he can go out and get a finish or something maybe in his next fight get a, look a bit more impressive as I said take the guy down beat the absolute shit out of him on the ground or up against the fence then maybe but yeah, I like I like the Covington match. I like that Tom Breeze fight as well. Um, either of them would be fine. Yeah, no problem. Uh, next question is from 
Gavin Springeth. Oh, name. pressure on you there. <laughs> whose, whose name I murdered last week, but I got it right this time. Friends of the podcast. Is JDS the next natural challenger for the heavyweight title? No. Uh, Andrei Arlovsky is, then let Stephen Majocic fight Junior DeSantos or Alistair Overeem and we'll see what happens. I think Verdun will now have to fight a little bit more actively as he's the champion. Um, and I'd like to see him out before the end of the year, to be honest. Me too. I, I agree with you, but I'd have no problem with JDS getting the next shot in November or December. Well, if JDS is coming back and feels he is able for a title shot right off the bat... Then, reluctantly, Andrei Arlovsky can keep his pretty smile waiting another fight. Indeed. Indeed. Um, Shane Gian, I believe is his name, how you pronounce it, over Twitter as well. Uh, should UFC stop events at high altitude? Some fighters can't move to training camp out there. Their families can't afford training camp. It seems to make a huge difference. Wear training mask, bro. Well, actually, no, those <laughs> things were proven to be a crock of shit Um, aside from that not a bad idea to be honest maybe if you're going to put events there match fighters that train at high altitudes it's a pretty simple thing there it could logistically maybe it could be done by the UFC or ask guys if they're like surely the fighters know what they're taking on they could fucking say that doesn't suit me my brother's getting married anything the UFC they could get out of that fight like they could just go somewhere else. So it's it, ultimately it's down to the fighter. I don't think any fighter who gassed and lost at the weekend was cursing the UFC for holding a knife to their throat and saying you you're fighting in Mexico, mate, whether you like it or not. Yeah. Um, then again, obviously, maybe you don't have a brother. Doug asks about it as well on Twitter, but I think I think it takes away from the fights. Like I thought, I thought it took away from the Eddie Alvarez Gilbert Menendez oh, fight. Yeah. Like. I don't think the fights are as good as that. Yeah. Below sea level. Yeah. Um, I'd rather, but if you're going to Mexico City, kind of it has to be at altitude, doesn't it? It's like I'm not sure about Mexico. I think they're holding another event outside of Mexico. I assume that won't be as November, isn't it? at high an altitude. Yeah, but is there another city in Mexico that can that has an arena that can sell out in UFC like as big as that one? I'm, I don't know. Maybe there is, but I doubt it. I'd say that's the like the hotbed for MMA in, in uh, Mexico, so I think we're going to have to put it up with it for a, a little bit longer. And if they do, maybe um, bring the smaller guys there might make more sense. Um, next question from Vincent C for the podcast as well. <clears throat> Pick two fighters that you'd like to hear do a podcast. That we could do a podcast with? No, that you'd like to hear them do the podcast, like our like us. Except oh, uh, Chris Fields is number one. To be honest. You love fucking Chris Fields. I love Chris Fields. And I have Connor, no Cook. Admit Connor Cook for life. Uh, no. <laughs> um, let's think. Fighters that could do a podcast. You tell me yours. You've seen the question already. Pat Barry and Mirko Krokop. I watch the shit out of that. Luke Rockhold. I really oh, enjoyed listening to... the world. No. I, like, oh, I hate him. Luke, well, I don't Luke hate. Rockhold was allowed to open up his stories... Uh, that he does that he did him, uh, in Berlin no trust me Luke Rocco is a think, very entertaining uh, man I think uh, Daniel Cormier is going to win this week and you, you better get ready uh, I'm going to I'm going to get like 15 I'd like girls. Sarah and Longo to do a podcast yeah 
I, I watched I listened to that for ten minutes. I, I, I listened to that for ten minutes. I get absolutely fucking sick of it. Yeah. <laughs> be good for about ten minutes. End up but, breaking you know. your laptop. Yeah. Matt Brown does one. I'm not the biggest fan of it. To be honest, I listened to a couple of them. I wasn't the biggest fan of Brendan Shaw's podcast, but I've grown to it and I really like it now. Um, who else? Ch- Chelsea Allen's podcast is good. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of tough. Um, who's an interesting guy now that has a lot of things to say? Brian Stan has. I think Brian Stan and Eve, Eve Edwards they do a podcast together, and so. Was it you that yeah. said Frank Mir needs to be used by the FC? Oh yes. That yeah, video I, I when he broke Frank down Mayer McGregor podcast. and Aldo was very, very impressive. Excellent. Even though he was wrong, it was still relatively impressive at how he Okay, I have it, I have it. Frank Mir and Dominic Cruz. I yeah. would watch... Oh, my God, that's that'd a, be brilliant. That's busting nut territory there if you want to listen to comprehensive and that, like analytical breakdowns. Them two guys <laughs> would be brilliant together. They are the best. With Heidi Anderall as the host. <laughs> no, stop <laughs> Please. I was not programmed to love. <laughs> oh god! Uh, okay. I also I uh, honorary shout out to three AM MMA, Chris Nelson, the funniest man I think on Twitter. I and also Super Calo. Oh, I god. I want to listen to the Super Calo podcast, but my subscription is uh, is up for the new uh, for the new year, so I still need to get it again. But Ethiopian government intercepted my credit card when I was spent on. Did they? Yeah. Well, you need a lawyer on that. Oh wait. No, no laughs. What? I said no. you need a lawyer on that, <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh yeah. wait, Super Callow is a lawyer. So. Oh yes, indeed he, is. indeed he is. And we have time for one more. Chris Towey. Oh no, actually wait. Oh, we've we've two more songs. Okay, two. Just want to be quick. Should DC move back to heavyweight? Uh, no, the game has gone. No, exactly. Grant. Carol. Should the champion of 205 move up to a division where the upper echelon fighters fight, let's say Daniel Cormier cuts from 230s, 30 pounds heavier than you, and they cut to make that weight? Exactly. I would like to see him go back there in the future. Me too. Maybe even Cain Velasquez and Daniel Cormier do an old switcheroo. Yeah. Like, I was talking about there on Twitter to begin. It's amazing how quickly things change. Like, before... Velasquez was the champion that DC longed to be. Yeah. Now DC is the champion and Velasquez is no belt. And I, I yeah. don't know if you saw the shout out. I think it was a great call by myself. Ken Velasquez and Daniel Cormier are the Dudley boys of MMA. Oh, Bubba and Devon. Yeah, like, Good okay, shout. I'll give you that. <laughs> last question. Predictions for the violent matchup between your boy, your pound for pound king, Max Holloway, against Oliveira. That's going to be fucking unbelievable. I have to say, very happy with it. Um, I think Max Holloway will chew him up in the feet. I think Max Holloway could hurt him badly as well. Yeah. But that's going to... I can't wait for that fight. If it goes to the ground, though, you ought to be able him, but... um, Max Holloway's take on this isn't that good either. Like Conor McGregor took it now. Conor McGregor, this Conor McGregor from Ireland now, who who like where we we've never even heard of the word wrestling. He took Max Holloway and America down multiple times. So if Oliveira can take him down, I can see him submitting him. But I don't. I don't think so. I think Holloway'll. Uh, I think Holloway'll beat him up on the feet. Sean, is that about it? About it, I'd say. Um, just on, if you'll allow me a moment here. 
Um, absolutely fucking heartbreaking what happened in Berkeley uh, yeah. to those Irish students and absolutely couldn't get it out of my head all day yesterday one of the fucking war- like imagine not even friends and family and stuff but parents that last saw their children in an airport heading away um, for the summer of their lives with their fucking best friends in one of the nicest places in the world and something like that to happen is the most fucking horrible thing that I could think of happening to a family or friends and stuff like that. So just maybe on the off chance there's a listener of a bereaved or something like that, absolutely deepest sympathies go out to you. And I took it. I took that yesterday as, like, I know we both do it. Like, while it may not be glamorous, yourself and myself are both doing something that we enjoy and are passionate about every single day and that there's so many people that go through their lives working nine to five jobs that don't enjoy it, that aren't doing what they really want to be doing or pursuing their goals or their passions and stuff like that. Something like that, you see young life taken away so tragically and so early, that is the motivator, that's the kickstarter. If you're listening to this now, you're not happy what you're doing in college, leave it, do something else. You're not happy with your job, fuck it, get another job. Do something you actually love. From yesterday's news, trying to turn a negative into a positive. I am going to Long Beach, California in the BJJF uh, World Championships. So I'm going over there to do that and really I, I would urge, I've spent the last year doing it, didn't go back to college for Severe May. It's all starting to work out now slowly but surely. But please, after seeing that yesterday, I was fucking heartbroken all day. So Sean, I don't think uh, we can really, if you have any similar sentiments, please hop in because I know fucking um, it is a fucking it's a staple thing like Irish students go on J1s all the time and did yeah. you see the thing in the New York Times this morning no I didn't know they that. are getting eaten alive by Irish people saying about how J1s have always caused righty behaviour and yeah. shit like really being insensitive towards the fucking the whole thing completely and it's, it's bad yeah. like this was like it was a tragic accident like there was like I don't there was no other fault than this like it was just a terrible thing altogether, but um, yeah, as, as you said, sympathies to anyone's family and all. Like, this is like yeah, probably a lot of people around listening to podcasts are probably around the same age as them, and um, yeah, it, like it's it's tragic, and hopefully, uh, even if you listen to podcasts for a while, it might take your mind off it or something. But uh, yeah, like it's terrible. It's really a terrible thing, but um, yeah, as you said, there same sentiments just. Take every day, you know, take every day as it comes and be, be appreciative of it. Excellent, Sean. I don't think we could have finished it any better than that. Indeed. Until then. See you next week.